Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at Talk 90 My co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me on Twitter at jadeoxfordrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we are welcoming back a guest, Jen. Hello. Hi, Jen. Yay. I'm Jen. Uh, I use she, her pronouns, and I don't really do the Twitter, so if you want to know what I post, just follow the SparkNotes Twitter, and that's basically the same thing. <laughs> uh, Jen can also be found in our Discord, uh, which, again, you can find in the show notes. Join our Discord. We have uh, fun conversations about these dumb kids and some other dumb kids. It's a fun place. Can confirm. <laughs> uh, so uh, today we are beginning the David trilogy. Dun, dun, dun. Uh... Those of you who are at least passingly familiar with Animorphs uh, are perhaps filled with dread, um, because this sure is a ride. Um, uh, we're starting with book 20, obviously, um, and you definitely get the feeling that you are on the uh, in, in the roller coaster uh, seat, on the chain, riding upwards, and you can tell that this is a very hard drop. Uh, <laughs> um, but before we get into it, some book-specific content warnings. Uh, violence against animals. Uh, we'll we'll give a shout out before that happens, because um, it's one particular instance in this book. Uh, gun violence, uh, snakes, and interacting with snakes and morphing into snakes. Uh, being eaten alive in morph, uh, on accident. Um, culture shock, uh, in terms of like being the new kid or an outsider, kind of fish out of water stuff. Um, and peer hostility, uh, not quite bullying, but definitely like things are tense, um, and not exactly welcoming all the time. Uh, so, uh, let's get started with some overarching feelings. Uh, Jade, how do you feel about book 20? Hmm. I feel like there's some characterization choices in here I don't vibe with. I flagged this on chat, like, Marco gets handed the idiot ball a lot in this book, and mm -hmm. that bugs me. Mm -hmm. Um, because it seemed like we're used to him being a bit of a goober from time to time, but like there are choices that he makes and actually a couple of the others make in this book that didn't feel in keeping with everything else so far. But, and I think maybe my own struggles as a young person dealing with my peers maybe made some of this more uncomfortable to read as somebody who was a weird kid but i enjoyed mm -hmm. it in parts there's some really good action sequences in this one and yeah i am excited to talk about it yeah so uh, jen how do you feel coming back to it 
Well, we were kind of talking about this just before we started recording. This it was not as extreme as I remembered and was expecting. Um, in terms of like, obviously, this is the first one of the trilogy. It's like setting up the whole mm-hmm. David scenario, but I really remembered it like getting off to kind of more of a bang and like really just hating David, thinking the Animorphs were making mistakes with him, like left and right and all over the place. And reading it this time, I was like, I I don't hate you yet. Like, and I I think the situation is sort of being handled as well as can be. Like, it mm-hmm. was it was just not as extreme as I yeah. as I remembered. So that was kind of interesting. I was trying to read it, not letting the next two like color how mm-hmm. I was thinking about what was going on in this first book, which is hard because it's yes. The upcoming stuff is some of the Animorph stuff that stays with you for decades. <laughs> so I was trying to put that aside while I was uh, actually listening to the audiobook. But um, mm. what about you? Uh, yeah, it's. I knew going in, and we talked about this as well. Uh, I knew going in that the way that KA structured this trilogy, in some ways, it feels like. They started out in this first book with a certain kind of David, and then they realized that they made him too sympathetic mm-hmm. and took a hard left turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leaned out of the sk- leaned into the skid or out of the skid either way, yeah. just like yeah. course corrected. Yeah, I have like, a note about that for something later in this book. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. They realized like Oh, like we have to make sure that no one actually likes this guy. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like so they up. set up a lot of things um, in terms of, especially the thing that happens towards the end, mm-hmm. um, and like his kind of vibe, um, because he's definitely he's not a likable character. But right. that doesn't like you don't necessarily wish ill on him. You yeah. do feel bad for him and the things that he's going through. Um, but <laughs> they can't have that. So yeah. But, uh, the, spoiler alert, David isn't around forever. Um, and there are reasons for that. (laughs) Um, Something that struck me reading this, and I did look at the covers of the other two in the tree, in the trilogy, just to gauge who the point of view narrator was. Mm -hmm. And if you, and this, you guys will have to let me know if this is true of the other two in the series, but having David as a foil to Marco, Mm-hmm. In this book, you very much see like Marco could be David yep. very easily. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's intentional. Yes. Like, because David is also smart, but makes mm-hmm. occasional dumb choices and is very good at putting things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, like, there's enough overlap, a little bit to, you know, the little comic about like, who's that other dog? <laughs> yeah. There's a touch of that. Mm-hmm. which yeah, yeah. because we see how much they obviously because we're in marco's perspective that david grates on marco mm-hmm. just sort of like mm, a little bit too close for comfort is quite a frequent thing and i find it interesting looking at those that the next one is jake mm-hmm. and then the one after is rachel mm-hmm. so i'm looking forward to seeing if that sort of sh- like david holding up a mirror to the animorphs mm-hmm. is a deliberate choice or whether it's yeah. something that is only really in this one of the trilogies. Yeah, so. it's it 
very much happens in this book. And I think, I think in another universe, uh, David is the, is the strategist. He is the Marco of the group. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, Jade, I absolutely agree. I think he is very much sort of a, a foil, like could be Marco. And then in the next two, we will really get the sense of how, like, you know, we talk a lot about how the kids have gelled into this group of everyone has their role. Mm-hmm. You know, they have this very cohesive group. They know everyone's place in it. They know how everyone's going to react. They know what everyone's going to think and what they're going to say and what they're going to do. And then you throw David in and we really yep. see, especially in the next two, how he just throws the whole balance just yep. completely out of whack. Yep. Yeah. And I, how like it could work. It's like, but just because it's, he's just thrown into it. Yeah. It just, there's no time to adjust. There's no time for him to find his place. And it, everyone, yeah. everyone gets thrown out of whack. Yeah. There's something that Axe says in this book about how adding one person is arguably more difficult than getting lots of people. Mm-hmm. Because and he's right. He's sat in like, as the experienced, arguably one who's gone through like military training, as bad as that is, let me stress, his insight into the situation is so, yeah. which is why I really like, and we'll get to it in more detail, why Jake insists that Axe votes mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, shall we get into it? Let's. Yeah, uh, let's dive into it. Um okay. Okay, we got to talk about Marco being really bad at flirting. He's so bad. So bad. (laughs) Like, this is like, and this is something I noticed, and I'm going to pay attention to this going forward. Marco makes a lot of contemporary references, more than the others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I actually Googled one of the things he says in this one, but he does it a lot. And the fact that he does the really unpleasant thing of referring to uh, girls as females. Yeah. I checked the dates. I reckon this child might be watching DS9. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly. (laughs) (laughs) DS9 was on from 1993 to 1999 in its original airing. Yeah, Yeah. that's that tracks right i when, definitely what, feel right, like marco are. would be a ds9 kid i yeah, gotta say absolutely um but yes a lot of the thing is though also reading the way he chooses to say stuff like we have an example of a cheesy lie just like a beautiful name for a beautiful girl it's just like if you can deliver that right that kind of thing does work mm-hmm. if yeah, you know I mean, how a to nice deli- thing to say he just yeah. totally fumbles it <laughs> yeah and, uh, and we get another example of him like complimenting a girl on her shoulders because she could be a boy and i re- do read this because like oh you baby gay you are seeing how, it, but it is like, oh, this is how adults flirt. I'm going to try yeah. and do that. Yeah. But I definitely get a vibe with how it's resp- res- resp- responded to by these girls that mm-hmm. part of this is because Marco's a bit of a dweeb. I say yeah. with the utmost love for my son. Yeah. But like, I feel that's part of it. Just what yeah. we were just talking about before about a foil to da- David being a foil. Whenever we see Marco interacting with anyone outside of the kids of their age group, nobody seems to like particularly a vibe with it. Yeah. He's like the smart mouth kid. And maybe people do mm-hmm. think he's funny, 
but I don't think he has friends outside so of yeah. Jake. Yeah. We don't ever hear about any other friends. Like we, when we met Eric, we kind of mm. heard that he knew Eric and they were acquaintances. But yeah, we don't really yeah. hear about him. I mean, to be fair, we don't really hear about most of them having other friends other than their, you know, best friend within the group, other yeah. than Rachel and Melissa. But it'll, it'll get mentioned every once in a while. Like, I think it, not too long ago we had Jake, like, interacting with the other basketball people. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. To, to provide, you know, keep up appearances. And um, we know that Cassie and Tobias were loners. Like, yeah. Cassie doesn't care. Tobias was very introverted. Mm-hmm. Marco is somebody that seems very invested in the social order and mm-hmm. very much on the outside of it. Yes. Which yeah. makes the fact that he's the strategist deeply upsetting. And I'm <laughs> just going to mark a little another checkbox in my neurodivergent Marco tally. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How many so- are we up to? Like 30? Mo, I do it a couple of times a book. Um, <laughs> but he's so very perceptive about situations and he mm-hmm. can't put it into practice. Yeah. Which makes him an interesting counterpoint to Cassie, who is emotionally aware and will put it into practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or more specifically, knows how to put it into practice. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, bless. Marco is striking out hard with a girl called Tassandra. Tashandra? Tashandra. Yeah. Good name. It is a good name. It is a good name. Um, but, uh, while reeling from what I can only assume is yet another rejection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my poor son. My <laughs> poor idiot son. Um, he spots a new kid yep. in the hall. I've just realized I closed the PDF of the book. So Danielle, please save from myself. <laughs> yeah. He he spots a new kid. Um basically he's lamenting like, oh, you know, girls these days don't know how to take flirting, I guess. Whatever. My, yeah, it's whatever absolutely Marco, it's the okay. girls that are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um but he catches and and it's one of those things that he even mentions it that he he almost wouldn't have seen it if he hadn't just struck out and it immediately draws his attention is the blue box, the blue box, the one that Elfangor used to give them the morphing power. And it's in the hands of some kid. Um, and Marco immediately blue screens. Yeah. Uh, he cannot function. Yeah. I also love Which, that while blue screening, he immediately goes up to this kid. He's just like, yo. It's like, I don't know why I said yo. I am not a yo kind of a person. <laughs> but it's like, it's all he could think to say because he's having a heart attack. Yeah. Because as far as he and the rest of the kids were aware, the blue box would have been destroyed when Elfangor's ship was blown up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't and just blown up. It was atomized. Vaporized. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They reference it a few times. It was it was completely destroyed into yeah. molecules. Like yeah. there yeah. was nothing left. And Marco knows like how powerful that box is, because um, mm-hmm. uh, it is what bestows the morphing power. Um, and he knows just how much the Yerks would want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I appreciate he sort of act. This is one of the few instances where he is thinking it through, but he is acting without. <laughs> yeah. Without planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, he's like, his, I don't know what to do, but I have to do something. Yes. Yeah. He he is acting while his brain is catching up. 
I also like that we see he's looking for Jake or Cassie, yes. someone mm-hmm. with some sense, which is just beautiful. Uh, but we see that like Marco is a strategist. He isn't the one who acts in the moment. He plans. Mm-hmm. But also like we've seen him do this before. He acts when acting needs to occur. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's floundering here, trying to person <laughs> um, in a spectacular array. And he's just like, so he introduces himself. And in a repeat of what we just saw, as I'm saying this, I'm just like, this is just Marco with new people. I'm starting to feel <laughs> like he's just like, David, okay, good name. It's just sort of like, Marco, <laughs> kid. Um <laughs> And uh, David is all just like, okay, this is weird. Um, <laughs> I was like, David gave me a look like maybe I was an idiot. And to be honest with you, I wasn't doing much to change his opinion. Um, yeah, David over like, here, like, I'm the new kid and I know this is awkward. Yeah. But uh, before David completely has a chance to peace out, because he's just like, mm, later, uh, asks about the blue box. David explains that he uh, found it at the construction site in a hole in a wall inside the cement block. So whether it like landed in wet cement or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do like, like it had been put in there or something. And I'm just like, Elemist bullshit? Uh-huh. Is this Elemist bullshit? Um, mm-hmm. That's always a fair assumption. Yeah. Because yeah. even David can pick up on the fact that it's weird. Um, it's not just a normal box, there's writing on it. Uh, but then the bell goes, uh, which scares the pants off Marco because he's already incredibly tense and he tries to, uh, buy the blue box of David with the grand old sum of a dollar and 32 cents yeah. along with a, uh, a lifesaver. And a lifesaver. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, Marco just gets <laughs> stonewalled by David. Yep. Um, and <laughs> then we have just Marco full on panic, right? Then he spots Jake, just like mm-hmm. pulls him into the boys' bathroom, just like, some kid has the blue box. Just like, what blue box? The blue box. <laughs> <laughs> the visual of very small Marco attempting to shove Jake into the bathroom <laughs> and yep. Jake just easily shoving him back. Um, and then the bell rings before we can hear, uh, Jake's cursing. Yeah, so. <laughs> let the animorphs say fuck. Though I, I do make a point. Is a time to say fuck? It is now. He gets sent out of class for saying something later. Oh, so true. clearly, Jake does say fuck. We just don't get to hear it. <laughs> it's enough for me to know that it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Jake and Rachel canonically say fuck, uh, mm-hmm. and rightly so. And rightly um, so. But we cut to um, everyone getting caught up on the situation. Um, everyone's panicking except Cassie, who has to medicate a swan, as you do. <laughs> um, and even Axe is there uh, because uh, in his normal form, he's not in Morph because obviously he is their expert on Andalite things. Mm-hmm. On, on all alien weirdness, what with being a weird alien himself. <laughs> Rachel is being Rachel about it, so she's yelling. Like, yeah. how is this? How did it survive? The ship was in, made dust. They saw it happen. And Axe doesn't know how this happened. And he's just like, 
well, what do you mean you don't? Is there something special about these blue boxes? Can they not be destroyed by dragon beams? And um, Axe is just like, no, all I can suggest is that maybe it was a simple incident of random chance. Is that Andalites for a freak accident? Marco asks. Um, and Axe posits that the dragon beam hitting Alfangle's fighter would have created explosive pressures and the pressure maybe hurled the, dev- uh, the Escafil device away. Hey, he look, it's thing. a, it's he a title thing. drop. It's a title drop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, they don't know the word Escafil device, the kids. Uh, and bless, uh, Axe starts to info dump um Escaville being the inventor mm-hmm. and uh gets cut off mid-flow um <laughs> bless. Marco don't cut him off this is important canon yeah uh because yes the device causes a cascading cellular regeneration tied to a z-space and he's just like it can cascade all over a z-space for all I care <laughs> uh the important part is that it belongs to a kid named David he thinks I'm an idiot and Rich just like well if he thinks Marco's an idiot he can't be all bad um and I do like the detail of it. she batted her eyelashes at me to show she was kidding just like hmm Marco and Rachel are fun. Yeah, they are. Um, and everyone, everyone basically agrees. All right, well, uh, we gotta do something about this. Um, and we get this really interesting, uh, n- thing from Marco because Cassie finally speaks up and is like, all right, well, we need to do something before he figures out what it is and before the Yerks discover he has it. Um, and we get this detail from Marco. I took a good long look at Cassie. See, there was this little episode with Cassie. That's something. <laughs> what's a word for it? She quit the Animorphs because I guess she had problems with some of the stuff we have to do. She came back, of course. But since then, I felt a little shaky around her. Cassie has way too many morals and ethics. She's always wondering whether something is right or wrong. Me, I just wonder, will it work or not? Uh, I was thinking of something snide to say to Cassie, but I decided to keep my mouth shut. Cassie has saved my life more than once. You cut a person a lot of slack when they've saved your life. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Totally. I do like when they actually reference things in recent books. Yeah. They don't mm-hmm. always. Like, sometimes these big yeah. things happen and we just never hear about them again. So it's mm-hmm. always nice to get those little reminders that, oh, this is actually a series and... Yeah. In things have happened before events, this you know will yeah. af- will affect future events yes so. yes um so basically they're like all right well we need to go get more information we need to find out where he lives um and not let the kid suspect what's going on and don't hurt david because he's an innocent bystander in all of this um and rachel of oh course uh jinxes everything by saying well he's not a hork he's not a taxon and he's not viscer three us versus some kid from school please it's a walk in the park which yikes i do love hey, rachel normally i have a superstition about ever saying something is going to be easy but this time even i didn't worry now i have a new superstition anytime i'm not worried i worry <laughs> yeah, just and like, it's funny because you think that he's just talking about the events in this book. Then you hate when you do this. So they all meet up outside of Burger King near to David's house. Tobias is out scouting because he has wings all the time and can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all just kind of like 
sitting around a table uh, and drawing they're... fries to see who gets to go do the mission. Yes, instead of straws, they're drawing fries. I like they mentioned they they didn't bring axe because they can't trust him around the grease and salt. It ends up being um, Jake draws the short fry, as -hmm. it were. Um, So it's um, Rachel and Marco that are going to be doing the flying. Yep. Um, Calling Hazina as Payuge. Mm-hmm. And this is what I mean about there feels like there's a lot more reference because we get some we get a fucking Joxa reference. And let me tell you, <laughs> as somebody that was a big fan of Zedia the Warrior Princess, I like to see it. Um because Rachel's just like, okay, well if I'm Zena, who are you? And Mark's like, well I'm Hercules. And just like, mm, nah. <laughs> What's the the weenie guy? And then Marco challenges her to an arm wrestling match. Yep. Jake is just like, uh, shouldn't we have scorpions or something to make this interesting? Um, but yeah, Rachel's game. And then she kicks his knee. Um, and to win the arm wrestling match. Uh, Marco cries foul. And then we get this detail that made me yell. This made me like copy out a chunk of text from the book PDF <laughs> into our Google Doc to talk about this. Because Rachel, in the midst of this fun little kick flipping into the sun scene, just goes, who cares how you win as long as you win? And Cassie replies, you don't really believe that, Rachel. No, wait a minute. You probably do. And I'm just sat here like, I hate this. Mm -hmm. And I want to die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like... I love offhanded, like, playing it cool, dramatic mm-hmm. irony, foreshadowing, but also I'm just very upset because yep. we had that whole thing with Cassie and Rachel in the last book mm-hmm. and her just making that flippant joke and I'm there just like, mm, is this so flippant though? Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I don't know why Rachel felt the need to cheat. Yeah. She definitely would have won. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it was to make it definitive. I don't maybe. Know. Or maybe she just didn't she wanted to joke around with Marco and like Yeah, I, I can seriously. see it by like cuz like also like if it was a real arm wrestling match, there was a chance of embarrassing him. Yeah. Whereas if she cheats, point. it's just a funny little thing they can laugh off. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Oh. <sighs> But um, we have this moment of, and again, this is, I, I, I now worry that everything is foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> uh, but Jake's just like, okay, you two off on a mission. Instead of Dumb and Dumber, it's crazy and crazier. Uh, which Marco and Rachel find hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Eric proceeds to show up. Yep. Uh, which makes and everybody like, immediately on guard. Because yeah, Eric never has good news. um and eric tries to just be like casual about it and everyone else is just like waiting for the shoe to drop um marco jokes a little bit with eric to try to take the tension off the conversation um but eventually still yeah yeah (laughs) eating a whopper without cheese (laughs) 
Uh, but eventually Eric is just like, look, something big is happening. No one knows about it yet. It's not going to be announced publicly till it's all over for security reasons. Um, and it is a summit meeting happening in their town. The presidents or prime ministers of Britain, France, Russia, Japan, Germany, and the United States are all coming here to figure out what to do about all the problems in the Middle East. Which it doesn't make any fucking sense on any level. Yeah, no, because uh, that's like not all of a certain group. Yeah. Like, because NATO has like, the closest thing might be NATO, which mm-hmm. has like 30 member states. Mm-hmm. So, like. I was like, they just picked a list of countries that 13 year old kids would know. Like, yeah. 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 like oh, yes, that country's important. I learned now, about that country in World War II. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, but to be fair, those are like, if you think about like World War II, mm-hmm. those are the arguably the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, it makes sense how they're the easiest ones that anyone reading it is probably going to at least be peripherally aware of those countries. Yeah. Because you're, you're just supposed to read this and be like, ah, yes, an uh, important meeting of important people. Yeah. Uh, that's really all that matters. The, you can't think too much about the plot. Like, the, the, it, honestly, the plot is the B plot in this yeah. trilogy. Yes, very much so. It's very much the B plot. And like, you I can't mean, think too much just, about it. Cause it's amazing. just like, sense. that's not how summits work. But you know, yeah. I can't not think about the big plot, apparently. Cause I'm just yeah. like, mm, they don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's very it, much just, the the thing to keep the stress on the situation like yes they can't just deal with plot a there's they have to figure out how to integrate plot a with plot b like yeah exactly the the notion is this is a two-edged con because if they could speak to the gathered leaders that would be it for the yurks expert they'd be exposed but also if the yurks made controllers of any of these world leaders that's it Mm -hmm. um and eric full of good news as ever and I do appreciate that we don't know which one, because mm-hmm. he reveals that one of these leaders is already a controller. And Eric, and Jake's just like, you don't know which leader is the controller. Just like, if we did, it'd just be a big problem, not a huge one. <laughs> which is just, I love the chew. <laughs> it's just good shit. And I, I am just there thinking it's probably a British. I could believe that. <laughs> Now I'm going to look at who was the prime minister. 1999? <laughs> it's probably 97, 98. I think it's yeah. Blair. Oh, yeah, copyright. 1998. Mm-hmm. Yep, Tony Blair, that fuck. <laughs> um, I would say that about any British politician, let me be clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, he definitely looks like he could have a worm in his head. Anywho, that's not important right now. <laughs> um, geographically, they just happen to be about the closest along with France. Oh, actually, yeah. no, Japan probably is if they're on the west coast of the States. Yeah. I don't know, the Pacific Ocean is it's really big. really big, yeah. Yeah, but also I think a flight from like, like say San Francisco to Japan, can, I think you mm-hmm. can fly direct. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm focusing on the wrong things here. This is a bad situation that actually has very little bearing on the plot. 
except yes. the need to perpetuate the plot. Yes. Um, and they're just like, okay, so that's happening. We need to deal with the blue box situation first. Yep. Um, Tobias has located David's house. The window's open. The blue box is sitting on his desk. And like, before we get it to it, like, this kid, I'm sorry. I think it's very responsible, irresponsible to have your window propped open when you have A, a cat in your house and B, yeah. another pet that is not inside a terrarium of some kind. Yeah. That just seems like irresponsible pet ownership. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Especially because um, he's not in the room. If he were in the room, it'd be one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like Tobias' awareness of clearly something's <laughs> gone down. Yeah. And just like, yeah, uh, and then he just like immediately, what happened? Actually, you know what? Tell me later. <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, some good interaction of, uh, because the, it's getting colder, so they need to go to the bathroom in pairs so somebody can take the spare clothes out. Mm hmm. Um, Marco and Jake off to the, to the little boys room. Um, and lots of back and forth about a signed sweater that is no longer signed because it's been washed. It's just like, <laughs> it's just I didn't some. Say it was still signed. I, I, I just, I said it was signed. <laughs> I do appreciate like this good banter between Jake and Marco. Yeah. It always makes me smile. Yeah. Uh, and but uh, because they're two teenage boys spending too long in a bathroom, uh, they immediately start getting the door hammered on, thinking they're doing drugs or something in here. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's clearly like a like probably a teenage like server or something. There, mm -hmm. And then it's the manager who can unlock the door from the outside. Yep. And Jake, I don't know how this works. As Danielle said in our document, I think he rolled like a critical success on his deceive check because he like. <laughs> pulls the sweater down over Marker, who's like 90% bird at this point, and passes him off as his younger brother, who's got a very big sweater on because it was signed by Steve Young, you know? <laughs> and they go, what's wrong with his face? And Jake's just like, pours it on, just, and it's, yeah. it's glorious to read. We could read this out, but it would not do justice. You just need to read this part of the book because it's not normally Jake that does these bits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Marco is helping him. He's feeding him lines. Like, yeah. <laughs> but not much. He's feeding him the bullshit and Jake is just playing the part really well. To be yeah. fair, he comes up with the brother stuff first. On his own, yeah. It's yeah. just uh, when asked what's wrong with Marco's face, he gives like, big noma. <laughs> a growth in the shape of a beak and Marco tries to uh, lay it on as he does it. It's especially tragic at all because it only affects really smart, really cute people and Jake <laughs> just shuts him up and hustles him out. Yeah. I love the implication here that one, the the like server, the manager, whoever, saw two boys go into the boys' room and two girls go into the girls' room. Uh, the two girls going into the girls' room, totally normal. Whatever. The two boys going to the boys' room, they're doing drugs. Jake definitely doesn't help by saying things out loud like, ew, never seen that before, or that's something new. Which just, why did they think drugs and not that these kids were having sex? I don't know. <laughs> I suppose it's an eat one's brain leaps to 13-year-olds maybe doing drugs more so than 
Yeah, that's I true. I suppose given like the late nineties, like mm-hmm, all that mm-hmm. jazz. Uh, um, but yeah, but it, also it implies- occurred to me like the girls just like yeah, girls go to the toilet in pairs. All right. Yeah. 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 But it also implies that Cassie carried a whole ass bald eagle out of the ladies' room and no one said anything. <laughs> Maybe like she got Rachel to curl up really small on her back, like uh, like an animal backpack. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I need okay. I'm making a note for my dumb kids folder. Just like somebody morphs and pretends to be an animal backpack. <laughs> I have no notepaper nearby. Damn. No, but I just remember when those like teddy bear backpacks were like. Mm-hmm, everywhere. I had two. You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, so to get back on point, leaving aside the mystery of how Cassie got bald eagle Rachel out of the girls' room, we'll never know. Um. But they make it to David's house, and it's pretty sort of standard. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, they does have a pool. This becomes helpful knowledge later. Um, Rachel was fully prepared to fly in. And Tobias calls out, just like, uh, you're in that morph. You are not going through the window. <laughs> um, Which, like, why didn't they think about that when they, instead of drawing straws, and actually think about who would be the most useful morph to mm-hmm. do this thing? But, that would, um, that would re- require them to think. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and Tobias wasn't there for the planning. Yeah, true. that's true. True. It might have been a wider window they could have got through. Who knows? Um, and I do like we get this little bit of. Um, so it's Marco and Tobias going in, and Tobias giving Marco tips on like how you need to flare as soon as you get mm-hmm. past the windowsill, or you're going to smack into the far wall. Like, and you need to do it instantly. Mm-hmm. And Marco's like, please, Tobias. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't quite say that, but um, he says, I'm not a complete idiot. And Rachel's just like, no, you're an incomplete idiot. Um, but flying in, Tobias helpfully at the last moment, which is like, hey, make sure you stay clear of the stick. <laughs> what stick? What? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, like, Tobias was going to go in first. Yeah. And, and Marco could have watched, but then Marco's like, nah, I'm going in first. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a competition now. And but he, yeah, uh, he knocks the stick the out stick, of the window. Which shuts the window. Uh, and now he's stuck in a room. I do, I, I, as a wonderful, like, also nod, but also just like, uh, Tobias bounces off the closed window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, is not a quiet noise. <laughs> no. No. But, uh, bless, I do like, um, Tobias is proceeds to be loopy for the rest of this, which is incredibly cute. Like, mm-hmm. it just like makes all these cracks about Clue. Just, uh-huh. <laughs> you're like, uh, meanwhile, Marco is like wedged behind a dresser. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he was too distracted to flare. So he does hit the wall like Tobias warned him. Yep. Meanwhile, Tobias is talking about Professor Plum doing it in the conservatory. Um, and this is when we realize that there is a cat in the room. Yeah. So a large gray tabby cat. Who's very angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, all this is great. We have like all this good cat foley, Marco mm-hmm. attempting to get it to chill out in thought speak, Tobias reliving a game of Clue. 
Um, <laughs> and Rachel's like, you need to get out because I saw a car. Oh, I saw a cat, sorry. And Mark was just like, yeah, I noticed. Um, uh, he gets into a fight with the cat, uh, mm-hmm. realizes very quickly that this is a losing fight. I do like he paints this visual of just like the dust ball fighting Looney Tunes uh-huh. style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we've just got this visual of a cat and an osprey just glaring at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate I'm not. I wasn't up for a second round. I did not want my obituary to say died from injuries sustained while battling a fat house cat. That would be embarrassing. Mm. Um, so he's like, okay, he can demorph or he can escape. Out the shut window? No. Through the closed door? No. Which meant demorphing. Except then Rachel gets involved. <laughs> Um, who throws a rock through the window? Yep, <laughs> and then how? flies in. I assume, like, how? I assume if you've got enough of a run up, like mm-hmm. project, like momentum, like yeah. forward momentum. So, yep. either way, convenient. I I'm not seeing how an eagle can throw a rock through. A well, it's more like it's holding it and is flying quickly, mm-hmm. and then oh, let's and go. In, like, yeah, kind of swings it forward. Loop. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, Rachel, are you uh, Rachel? I'm reading Rachel. Jen, are you seriously trying to argue the physics of this this <laughs> moment? <laughs> you have to draw a line somewhere. <laughs> There's an osprey stuck behind a dresser in this scene, and somebody's hallucinating a game of Clue. I'm willing to let it slide. <laughs> Either way, and I love that it's just Tobias. Just throughout this whole scene, occasionally you just get the little. It's very good. Clue inserts Miss Scarlet. Yeah. Was it Miss Scarlet with the yeah. plum and the professor? Either way, <laughs> uh, bald eagle lands on the bed, and the cat is not prepared to take on a bald eagle. Mm-hmm. Or to be fair, it's just looking a bit surprised. Um, then in comes David. Um, <laughs> this clusterfuck, and this isn't even the worst of it. Yeah. Um, but Rachel, like, they said, yeah, like, let's get back out. Let's go out through the house because mm-hmm. the cat has clambered for the curtains by the window. Right. Um, Rachel is sort of trying to distract David so Marco can get the cube. Mm-hmm. Um, tearing up pillows and Which like. Which is just like so backwards. You're the larger yeah. bird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh. um, the kid pulls out. <laughs> it's described in the text just as a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, um, we find out it's a BB gun, thankfully, yeah. pretty quickly. But we do have like a gun, a gun. This kid has a gun. Actually, Miss Scarlet, I think you should have used the wrench, which is just. <laughs> I love this. I yeah, love this. Which, I didn't really remember the. BB gun part. So when I was listening to this, I was like, "Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, cats, what? Yes, David would have a gun. Like, <laughs> I also, naturally, <laughs> I do like that. Um, Mark immediately clocks that it's a BB gun when it hits his stomach, and it's just like just hurts, but doesn't yeah. do much damage. And he's just, and Rachel's just like, he could put someone's eye out with that, which is like, mm, someone saw a Christmas story. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, Mark is just like, yeah, mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, can barely take off carrying the cube. Yep. Uh, cause it's too big. Mm-hmm. 
Because I remember it's like the size of a Rubik's cube, right? Maybe a little bigger. Yeah. yeah. It. Yeah. I. I want to say, is it like six inches on a side? Maybe. Yeah, something like that. I don't. It's, it's never really well explained, or maybe it I, is, but it's like very in passing. I do feel like I remember because Jake is the one that picks it up out of Elfinger's ship, and I feel like I remember him even commenting that it's heavier than it looks. Yeah. Like, it feels weightier than he expected it to be. Yeah. Either so, way. yeah, having an Osprey try to carry it through a house <laughs> is not going to work. Uh, meanwhile, David is now firing the BB gun at Rachel, who is getting pissed off. And Marco mm-hmm. reminds her, don't hurt him, he's just an innocent bystander. Innocent might pop, 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 goes the girl once again denied a Rachel swear. <laughs> um, but... um. Marco makes it out of the room with the box. Um, <laughs> so there we go. We got David chasing after them, wanting his box back. Mm-hmm. Two birds that have been shot with BB guns, followed by a kid with a very lifelike BB gun. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we get a reference to Buffy playing on the TV and Marco mourning the fact that he forgot to set the VCR. Of course he likes Buffy. Which is good, but I don't want to think about how similar Marco is to Xander because it will make me sad and angry. Mm-hmm. So, um, Rachel is determined to hurt David at school the next day and, um, is able to, uh, open this screen door or the sliding door, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this moment, um, cause Rachel tells Marco to distract David and he's like, okay, what do you want me to do? Lord of the dance. Um, but she goes out and David dives for Marco, who has the box still. Mm-hmm. And Marco has the choice of whether he could jump up and attack David um, and rake his eyes with his talons, or he could give it give up the box. And he has this moment of like, because David is not a controller. He's not an enemy. And at that point, just like, even I don't think you can just go around tearing into innocent bystanders. Which makes an interesting counterpoint to that thing he said about Cassie earlier, mm-hmm. about morals and ethics, and then just mm-hmm. like all I care is if I can do a th- if you can do a thing or you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like oh, kid, please stop lying to yourself. Ah, yeah. Um, it's in in a similar way to how uh, Cassie is able to like think and do things in the moment. In the moment, all of Marco's planning goes out the fucking window because it it turns out he is in fact affected by emotion absolutely that that invert that difference between the two of them is just occurring to me like in Mm -hmm. the moment cassie will act without thinking and will do the hard thing Mm -hmm. and in the moment marco will let what he thinks he lets himself be led by emotion and what he his own sense of right and wrong Mm -hmm. they are much more similar in the moment when they they have time to think about it. Mm -hmm. It's very good. I also think Marco kind of likes to think of himself as someone who isn't ruled by emotion and who, you know, will do the thing that works, whether or not it's the quote-unquote right thing, because that's kind of how he, you know, that's how he sees the world, so that's how he wants to think of himself as as interacting with the world. I think that's how he tries to operate. Yes. Because yes. when you spend time in his head, he's so emotional yes. all the time. And yeah. he could so easily get lost in it. And I think he's self-aware enough to know that if he starts 
letting that in, he's not going to be able to stop. Mm-hmm. In the same way that Jake doesn't like to get angry, mm-hmm. which just goes with the, like how angry Jake is all the time. Yeah, yeah. And you just your heart breaks for these children trying to be the thing they think they need to be that, that the others need them to be to be stoic, to be the moral compass, to be the fighter, to be the one who thinks in black and white. And it's crushing. Yep. That they've wound up in these boxes that they now can't get out of. Mm-hmm. Well, and in a way, I mean, I can see how in this kid's situation, it would be easier to be the black and white thinker that Marco tries to be, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're in a war, you're trying to win. It's much easier to not let emotion get in. So I can see why he would try to lean into that mm-hmm. side of his, his character and his way of thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just see time and time again when it when it really comes down to it, when he doesn't have the time to think about it, it it doesn't play out like that. So yeah, Marco cares so deeply for people, is the thing. Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm sad about animals. Go figure. Welcome to the <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> Rachel and Marco retreat, really not looking forward to explaining to Jake what happened. Um, but they fly off. Tobias joins them, explaining how he'd had a weird dream about being trapped in the conservatory with Professor Plum. So, how'd it go? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) He's just like, it was not our finest hour. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So they back off, decide to try again the following evening after, you know, David calmed down and wasn't immediately on alert jokes on them david is the child of a military kid uh, of a military guy essentially uh and if izzy has taught us anything those motherfuckers don't calm down there is uh, chill. <laughs> and uh so they go back they go to school the next day uh marco is trying to do a makeup science paper to replace a paper that he'd forgotten to do the previous week his teachers honestly are phenomenal because they keep giving him second chances I assume um, it's because he makes good grades and it's sort of just like also like it's like riding on that thing like probably all of his teachers know about his mum dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like he's a smart kid. Yeah. He does it, when he does his work it's fine. Yes. It's good usually. Yes. Um it, it's very much if you just applied yourself kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. ADHD um, Marco. Say what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, we, he gets to lunch, uh, and David comes up to Marco. Uh, you said your name was Marco, right? Um, and Marco's playing it cool, uh, or trying to play it cool. He's like, yeah, yeah my name's Mark. Yeah, I'm Marco. You're David, right? Like we, we met yesterday. Question mark. Had a normal um, interaction. <laughs> yeah. They, they bond over the food being terrible. Um, and, uh, or they, Marco tries to bond over the food being terrible, but uh, David isn't really laughing. Um, I like and... that he jokes, Marco jokes with the lunch, uh, with uh-huh. the lunch lady. I think, is it a yeah. lunch lady? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like, uh, the lunch lady calls him little Marco, which mm-hmm. is just kind of cute. Yeah. Um, you just like, keep it moving, just like the casserole definitely. It sounds so French. <laughs> it's just sort of <laughs> like, bless. No laugh. Nobody appreciates Marco's sense of humor. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. 
But they make their way across the lunchroom, like to the far side where it's quiet. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, here's what happened. This this is savvy. And this is what we were talking about with David being a foil to Marco. Because mm-hmm. he's immediately just like, okay, so you know that blue box? Last night somebody tried to steal it by using trained birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Marco's just like, say what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we find crazy. out that... The weird. Uh, we find out that his cat is named Megadeth, uh, who went after one of them. And Mark was just like, "You named your cat Megadeth." Just like, and he's just like, "Yeah, I just wish my snake had been out of his box. He's had his venom taken out, but I bet it would have scared those birds." Snake? Yeah, he's really cool. He's a cobra. You're not even supposed to be able to own them, but my dad got it for me. He's overseas a lot. He's a spy, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> This was getting to be a lot to absorb. A cat named Megadeth, a cobra, and a father who was possibly a spy. Okay. (laughs) The okay is out loud. And this does feel like a little bit like very much like new kid trying to be impressed. Oh, yeah, my cat's got a really cool name. And also I have a snake who's a cobra. And you can't really have cobras. But my dad got it for me because my dad is super cool. Mm -hmm. It's just like, ah, yes, teens. Yep. Uh, how David is self-aware enough to go, yeah, yeah, look, I know it's weird. But those birds weren't ordinary. One of them opened a sliding glass door um, and realizes that it was probably an eagle. It's a bald eagle. It's like it's Rachel is an adult bald eagle. Like- <laughs> <laughs> eh, I mean, to be fair, I suppose you think like, holy shit, that's a bird in my room. Maybe your brain doesn't go, huh, that's some very familiar American iconography right there. I mean, maybe, I guess, but also growing up in America, you know the bald eagle. You call yourself an American. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Can't even recognize a bald eagle. But yeah, but (laughs) David is like, Marco tries to like, okay, so why would anyone want to steal that? And David's like, I don't know, but it must be valuable. Otherwise, why would someone go to all the trouble of doing it? Of using mm-hmm. trained birds. And he's just like, yeah, it makes sense. Burglar birds. <laughs> Marco has this reflection of there are times I realize my life has gotten so insane that I can't even be sure what is truly insane. Mm-hmm. And uh, David announces that he's going to try and sell it. And he's posted ads online um, after everything went down. Because, um, and he even like described the symbols, mm-hmm. and somebody has already replied. Um, to his ad, like saying he wants to see it, that he'll pay good money, that he'll go anywhere, anytime. And Marco is just like, stops breathing. Because he knows how bad this is. Yeah. Which, this does make me wonder, and this just occurred to me now, I mean, this is the next morning at school, so this is, what, 12 hours after they tried to take the box? Mm-hmm. Does Visor 3 have, like, people just monitoring like ebay for alien artifacts or something like how did they find this so quickly you have to assume that some low-level grunt is on like it's pre-google alert but has something like that going yeah yeah i guess but we know about the case someone finds an escafil device lying around or any or any kind of i guess yeah it's like how occurred to me how they found it so quickly when he probably put it on eBay mm. was around in the 90s, right? Like, yeah. Maybe. But also, like, we know that there were yurks on that message board from that other mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. book. So They're probably not looking for the Escafel device. They're looking for people who have found something out about the yurks. Mm-hmm. 
that's true. I guess they would have to keep an eye out for things like that. Yeah. But um, well, David will applaud their efficiency at <laughs> getting on top of this. But uh, David is like, but I need backup in case something goes wrong, and he's just like, and you're the only person I know. And Mark is just like, you didn't give them your address, did you? And Dave's like, please. <laughs> um, I'm not a moron. The guy could just rip me off while I'm stuck here in school. I set up a timer on the, I set up a timer on my email so it won't send until right before I get home. And I'm just like, that's your grand plan. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't um, want the, the, the rando on the internet to show up at my house while I'm not there. We're going to have the rando on the internet show up at my house while I am there with another 13-year-old. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but David's just like, yeah, no, you do this. I'll give you 10%, which that's pretty generous. Is he expecting yeah. some money? Like, sudden David may not necessarily be the smartest, but he's clearly just trying to be on the up and up. Yeah. Um, and Marco's just trying not to scream at him for being an idiot. Um, and just like, yeah, good plan. Um, Jake's in the lunchroom starts heading over and Marcus just does like don't come over here <laughs> um, and David like spills the beans to Mark about what happened meanwhile Marco's not listening because all he's concerned with right now is how he's going to save David's life yeah we so so far the picture that has been painted of David is new kid in school he doesn't know anybody here um, Mark, some dude who talked to him for maybe 30 seconds yesterday is his go-to for backup for this deal that he's brokering because he doesn't know anybody else. Who he already made clear he didn't even like Marco. Like, Yeah, he was very dismissive of Marco, granted because Marco was being a weirdo. Yeah. Um, like, I also would probably be dismissive of Marco in that situation. Um, it was a very odd conversation from David's point of view. We got all of Marco's internal monologue, but the outside <laughs> conversation was literally like, yo, I'm Marco. Cool box. Can I have it? Like, that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he has a, a cat named Megadeth, a cobra that he's not supposed to have that he de, uh, de-venomed. Uh, or oh, that has been de-venomed. That has been de-venomed. Um, and, uh, his dad is a spy. Um, and I, I'm not sure if we've had it yet, but we soon get that his dad goes overseas a lot. Um, essentially David is, uh, an equivalent to a military brat. They move, he moves schools often. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's revealed that his dad is NSA. Right. So, uh, his and mom is actually in the picture. We just like she is barely mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, that we don't know anything about her except that she shows up later briefly. Um. So the 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 image of David that we have so far, and I'm belaboring this because David is, of course, the central problem of this trilogy. So we we need to get a good picture of this. Like he's just some new kid who has come across some new, something new and cool that just happens to be something that these two warring factions both desperately want. Yeah. Uh, and uh, at least on the part of the Animorphs, they 
are totally wrong-footed. They have no idea what to do about this, but they all they know is that they need to get it. And the Yerks, of course, are actually frighteningly competent. Um, actually, in this like whole trilogy, they're really pretty competent. Um, and like on top of it and actually acting like invaders of the world. Uh, and so like this kid is caught in between these two things, uh, keeps getting essentially stalked by these kids. Uh, and it's, it all culminates in like, you kind of feel sorry for David. Um, just because like, he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, and and that will change a little bit at, over the course of this book, um, but it's it's good to know where we start. It is also just kind of maybe worth mentioning that they're trying to get the box because they don't want the Yerks to have it. Right. They like it has not crossed anyone's mind the possibility that they could use the box at this point. That is not why they want the box. They are only right. keeping it out of the Yerks' hands. Right. Because they know the Yerks will use it. Right. But it it's not even on the table that that's something they could do. Just right. kind of worth pointing that out, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Marco tells Jake during class, um, <laughs> Jake jerks upright and says a word you really shouldn't say in class and was sent to discuss the matter with the principal. <laughs> Which is, I love yeah. how they skipped assistant principal Chapman. He went straight to the principal. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. We that's why I think it's Chapman fun. In a while, that's a good point. I kind of mm-hmm. forgot about him. What were you saying, Jade? I just like that. Clearly, it was a bad swear. This was like damn. Or no. like Jake this, said fuck. Like, yeah. Jake said fuck. Yeah. Jake dropped an F bomb <laughs> in class, and we're so <laughs> proud. <laughs> <laughs> 